For SEO, internal link optimization has taken a turn. We're on the road to entity SEO with link analysis and machine learning with Cyrus Shepard today on The Edge. Go! Your weekly digital marketing trends with industry trend-setting guests. Powered by your digital marketing pioneers, Site Strategics. This week's featured guest is Cyrus Shepard, founder of Zippy SEO. Now, here's your host, Aaron Sparks. Well, I'd like to reintroduce our listeners to Cyrus Shepard. He's the founder of Zippy SEO. He's an SEO and online marketer, content publisher, speaker, and writer. He first got into SEO in 2009, where he took a wine business from 500000 in sales to $2.5 million in one year. That's a lot of SEO juice right there. He actually joined Moz in 2010 when it was SEO Moz. Uh, he's been on a number of different speaking events over the, over the last decade. He's worked with dozens of startups and Fortune 500 companies. He's been an author and blogger, the Moz blog, Above the Fold, Marketing Pilgrim, and the like. So he continued contributor into Twitter as long as it's there. <laughs> and by, I don't know, by the time we air this, it, we may be resting in peace with uh, Twitter. Who knows? There's the editorial comment for the over the week. Cyrus, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us for our second oh. episode here. Thank you. The, I, you know, I've been on Twitter for 11 years, and I, I'm not saying this to brag. It's it's where I put most of my marketing effort, and I just reached 100,000 followers, and I was like, yay! <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> you got 100,000 followers on Twitter, and it's about to implode. Uh, yep. What's your thoughts there? I mean, as a side note, uh, we don't know what every week is going to entail here, but developers are exiting en masse in droves out it, of out of that company. Yeah. It breaks my heart a little bit. I, I won't get into the politics of it, but, you know, the old Twitter, as scrappy as it was, we sort of loved it because it was scrappy and, yeah. the, you know, the... Uh, it was always the underdog, but it was it was the fun underdog and never polished. Uh, I'm a little scared of it turning into a polished, profitable product, uh, profit driven, where everybody has their blue check mark. Um, right. And I, I don't know. It breaks my heart a little bit. To uh, I'm hoping for the best, but uh, looking at my other marketing platforms as well. Yeah. Um, Keeping my options open. And, and again, at the time, at the airing of this episode, we may have a whole other story on Twitter uh, that have uh, unfolded. So uh, we, you know, looking towards other niche platforms like LinkedIn, I think Mastodon has promise out there as it's much more deregulated and uh, uh, decentralized and it's community-based. But we've never seen anything like this, a, a company just burn down like, uh, like yeah. it has. Yes, I'll be posting LinkedIn updates from my, and TikTok from my Tesla uh, that I got at a discount. Uh, <laughs> at a fire sale? I, I, I'm not getting into the politics. Nope. Come on. I, we're almost there, Cyrus. We're almost there. Nope. All righty. So uh, as an SEO, wanted to uh, get some advice from you and bring you back into a space where uh, maybe SEOs haven't been for a while. Uh, and that's the internal link building. Uh, we, oh, yeah. We've always talked about inbound as a core core value, a core feature of SEO. And it's also turned into be one of the more difficult tactics from just being able to get the authoritative link. However, 
the site itself, your content and how it's organized is incredibly important to be able to communicate to Google. So there are some key strategies in just how to actually organize and link internally. Can you unpack that for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, people know if you ask them in interviews, if you ask SEOs, they always talk about the importance of internal linking. Like we know this, uh, it's, it's not new information and Google, John Mueller always says, you know, if you want Google to crawl a page and rank it, you need to tell us which pages are important. Mm -hmm. And that is through internal linking. Uh, I, Mike King, the SEO that, you know, we all know and love on yeah. Twitter, he was talking about internal linking the other day, you know, and his statement was, if we're working with an enterprise client and we need to rank a page. We know if we just point a couple hundred links at it and those are the right links, we can get it to rank. Yeah. It, it isn't rocket science. But what we see in practice and Time and time again, when we actually audit websites, people aren't taking their own advice seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, they're throwing a few internal links at a page. You know, typical process is write a new blog post. We're going to find five old blog posts that are relevant to add internal links, and then we're done for hmm. the next five years. That's that's we've done our job. Uh, that's it. And people are consistently under internal linking time and time again. And uh, I can talk a lot more about that. Yeah, well. yeah. Well, we understand that that. Uh, linking and just organization of content kind of yeah. builds a healthy picture for Google to understand what we're talking about. Helps the search engines understand the site structure. And also, they pass authority, just like you're talking about. Um, yeah. And well, let alone, it so, helps the users navigate the site, right? Yeah. Well, let me talk about the other side of that. So with my uh, startup, Zippy, we did this huge study of 87 million internal links across uh, something like 15 or 1600 websites. Not a huge study by the standard of Google, but the one of the largest internal linking studies that I, I think I've ever seen. Excellent. And we compared that to how pages were actually ranking in Google SERPs. And we saw a relationship that we expected between internal links and rankings. And the more internal links you had, the better you ranked for every page. But that it wasn't as strong as we thought it was. Mm -hmm. So then we looked at anchor text. So we know that internal links pass two major signals. One is authority, the other is relevance. Uh, and that is the anchor text that you use, uh, whether, you know, click here, bright red shoes, whatever that anchor text is. When we ran that part of the study, it took off like a rocket ship. Hmm. Uh, the more different types of anchor text that you used was highly correlated, much more correlated than the number of internal links. So having a variety of different anchor texts. Mm -hmm. And what I suspect Google is doing is when they see you use the same anchor text more than once, I I, I think they canonicalize that. Right. It, it maybe count as, you know, it's one point. When you, when you link to the same thing like... Um, buy red shoes and you do it over and over and over again, mm -hmm. that's one anchor text. It may be a lot of links, but you don't get buy red shoes over and over and over again. You don't nope. rank higher for that just because you used it 18 times. That's right. But if you used a variety of anchor text, we found the relationship take off. And I, in my 11 years of SEO, it's rare that I've been as surprised by data as I was by that. Uh, people ask me, how many internal links should I have? I can definitely answer, have at least 10 to every page of different anchor texts, but hopefully a lot more than that. With diversification of terms yeah. there. Now, we're not talking about navigational or sidebar or footer or anything like this. We're talking contextual links that are inside yep. content that are helpful for yep. the users. And we got to stop right there and talk about that for a second. A link can't just be a link 
and, and just pull the numbers of any phrase that's going to actually pass that anchor text. It's got to be mm-hmm. helpful. And to your point, you should also diversify the anchor text itself, still be mindful of that, because that actually kind of gives the dimensions of understanding to Google from a, how you describe your target red shoe. No, these are red sneakers. No, these are women's red sneakers, right? Now Google's getting a much better understanding before it even crawls that link of what you're describing on that page. So we're, we're in this entity mindset of descriptions and how important they are meaning are, are, are relevant to Google, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you can look at this as a human user and that's going to benefit you the most. So many people when they, they add internal links, they'll just find the relevant keywords and they'll highlight it and think, oh, I did my job. But to your point, those links have to be useful. Why is the user going to click that link? And I think, and I've said this my entire career, the value of a link is proportionate to the likelihood of someone clicking on it. Hmm. So when you're adding a link to your blog post or your articles or whatever, how is this link very helpful? You get, and you got to put on your marketing hat for a minute mm-hmm. and say, you know, this is this great thing right here. Click on this link. And we know that Google can see people clicking on this link through the Chrome web browser and they can monitor that user behavior. And there's a high likelihood they're assigning value to links based on how many users are actually clicking on them. So making hmm. your links important and usable and we can get into the entity relationship in just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a helpful update uh, algorithm that came through, or I should say the classifier, yeah. uh, theory is, is that it's actually running in the background for everything right now. But as a core update, a core algorithm update comes through, it really takes hold and is reevaluating things. It's understanding AI written content, but it's also very oriented towards how helpful this page is. And I think we're in this space where we have to look at our glut of content that we've created on-site or off-site of how helpful this is and is it cannibalizing? Do we have five pages that are saying relatively the same thing? Shouldn't there just be one destination that actually solves that problem so we're not in that keyword cluster approach, we're in this solution-providing approach with, with content strategy? Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think that is the ideal. I think we're moving in that direction. I've been deep in keyword research for a client and looking at cannibalization. And I'm still surprised how much Google encourages topics that are almost near each other uh, <laughs> with just somewhat slightly rearranged words, uh, but basically the same intent. But I think what they're seeing it goes back to human psychology. It, it, sometimes when we use different words slightly differently, it means we expect a slightly different intent. Uh, so I'm not quite ready to consolidate everything mm-hmm. just yet, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think maybe we'll get there. Uh, sorry, I, I went down a no, path. No, 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 no. That's the threat of what we were talking That's about. absolutely the space here is that, you know, we don't want to... Uh, sever the the value of these different pages, but we have to describe them yeah. in a way that is intent-based. And that, that's yeah. that diversification that we're talking about. So not only description of a product, but also meeting that user when their intent is to buy that shoe, as opposed to peppering throughout the entire site, just a swath of links, regardless of intent. So we really have to map customer intent. And it goes back to that whole buyer's journey. Yep 
concept, right? Awareness, consideration, decision-making levels. We got to know what our content's really organized and useful for in those different pursuits. And if we're meeting them too early and we're linking to these pages without a kind of a resonance to that intent, it's a dissonance for lack of a better description. Yeah. And we talked about this four years ago when I was on the show uh, about engagement signals. And oh, I'm yeah, still a right. huge, huge believer in that today. You know, the helpful content update, Google said they're, they're, they alluded to the fact that they're looking at the users to determine how satisfied they are mm -hmm. with your content. We don't have access to the same user metrics as Google do, does, mm -hmm. but we can look at our we can look at our bounce rate. Google doesn't use bounce rate, but we can you know it's a proxy for things we can use. Mm -hmm. We can look at our time on site, the number of pages they visit. Uh, we can look at the SERP, and you know my number one advice for people just getting into SEO is use your mobile phone, Google one of your main keywords and look at your SERP compared to your competitors and see if you think you would click on your result and how satisfying that result is. Hmm. So user satisfaction, yeah, I think it's always been a part of Google's algorithm and it's even probably more so today as Google understands that user behavior better and better. We're proud to have Site Strategics as a sponsor of Edge of the Web. We're pioneers in the agile digital marketing methodology. Core specialties that we provide are technical SEO, including core web vitals optimization, search engine marketing, social media marketing and management, focus on conversion rate optimization, truly focused on results-based marketing that works. We've also developed a unique omni-channel media marketing and content curation process as guided by our weekly R&D from our Edge of the Web interviews. We incorporate the best techniques for our content broadcast strategy and execution. If you're interested in what we can do for you, just give us a call at 877-SEO4WEB or 877-736-4932. You know, that, that's a methodology that I, I fear is just not practiced, is not only looking at the SERP, okay, and, and you can look at it at the top level going, okay, what are the feature snippets? What is Google providing to that its user, right? Because yeah. we always have to be mindful that Google's not in the business to bring you traffic. It's to serve its user answers and information that are valuable to, his, to it. So if we're looking at that SERP and we're not giving our own reflection back going, okay, are we matching some of these answers, these features, these helpful pieces of information to continue their, their query? If we're not matching that, then we're truly in our own echo chamber. I hate to reuse that word so much, but it is. I mean, it's just you're not getting the pulse of what's out there. And Google is, in one way, shape, or form, it's learning from its user at an exponential pace. we got to pay attention to that, right? Yeah. There's a popular saying where you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, would I date me? Uh, that's not actually what the saying is, but this is the PG, PG version. You get to look at yourself in the SERP and say, would I click myself? And the answer better be yes, because no one else is going to click you either. Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> and <laughs> you got to not be biased, right? Is that yeah. you, you have to look through that and really have that contextual awareness of, yeah. of how helpful the other sites are and what their listings are. All right, so back to how we're describing these, these uh, pages, this information via links, where 
in the space of actually kind of entity communication to yep. Google, right? So we're describing yep. this thing or series of things, and uh, there's something called named entity linking with also structured data on the destination page that can actually be incredibly helpful if you're describing it in certain ways based on intent, right? But also at the point where you're getting that user to that page, you also have the additional structured data benefit that you can give Google of what this entity is all about, this code level that can actually pin down information same as this topic, this subject, this service is the same as these out there just to educate Google even further. So it's a double-barreled shotgun there is you're describing it correctly to match intent, but you're also describing what this thing is in the ecosystem or the galaxy of, of information that it has on that. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. And it's a heady space. It's hard to wrap your mind around sometimes, but it's, it's helpful to think about you're trying to rank for a keyword and in the old 10 years ago, it was two dimensional. I want to rank for red shoes. Google's just looking at red shoes. And today it's three dimensional. What does a red shoe actually look like? Well, it has a price, it has dimensions, it has reviews, it has brands, and all those things build this picture of red mm -hmm. shoes. Mm -hmm. And so you have all these different tools available at your disposal, such as internal linking, what other people say about you through their internal links, mm -hmm. your page structure, mm -hmm. uh, your folder structure, your structured data, as you said, same as I think uh, InLinks uh, by Dixon Jones is a great tool for, mm -hmm. you know, trying starting to explore uh, those structured data properties. Uh, but you start to paint a three-dimensional picture that's just more than the words that you're using on the page. And that's a good way to think about it. And right. internal links is a great way to strengthen those entity relationships. So uh, we talked about in our previous, I appreciate that because that really kind of paints the picture of, of I think, where SEO is leaning. And uh, in our previous podcast, we were talking about all the different uh, opportunities with images and video uh, that are bubbling up to the surface on the SERP, the search engine result page itself. We were talking about tools that are available to be able to help get that picture. I really am hoping that we're seeing not all we're going to be seeing in the future tool sets that can also that can give us guidance on SERP features that we can capitalize on, but also a guidance back that can give us a picture of how close we are to full-on entity definition and its subpoints. We're in this cluster approach of not only keywords, but a cluster of supporting topics when it comes down to a subject. And, we, and the strategies have evolved here with being able to build clusters of information to answer people's questions, but also it fills in one of the puzzle pieces of this entity. A tool set that could give us that type of entity definition uh, where we're missing, where the gaps are, where the competitors are, and being able to exploit more information that maybe is not on the map would be a godsend in SEO. Yeah. I'm going to say something controversial here mm. uh, in that I love structured data, and I think anybody doing SEO right now has to invest greatly in structured data, not only because of the entity relationships, but all the SERP features that it can trigger. Yep. Uh, but I'm not bullish on the future of structured data. And that's because... So many people screw it up or it's just not available that Google has to work very hard to try to understand websites in the absence of that structured data. It, Google can't just reward the SEOs who are doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, they, they want to serve their customers. So I think I suspect Google is probably working very hard at solutions and, you know, triggering cert features that don't rely on those structured data. In the meantime, though, 
we should all still be investing. <laughs> here, here, and and that means you know, boiling it down is that it's not about the tools that you brandish that are a little bit different or, or more different than the other competitors. It's a substance of the content because yeah. ultimately got, Google's going to dive into that and understand it on its own merits, regardless of the window dressing, regardless of the, the grease on the wheels that you provide it with these type of efforts like structured data and the like. You're spot on there. Um, yeah. I, I think the... Uh, on top of that, Google just announced here recently that it would be affecting manual penalties on spam structured data that's out yeah. there. That's even more concerning because not only is it a space where we see spam happening regularly, and we just came, we inherited a website that literally was describing a service like 15 different times, and it's like those categories don't even bloody well exist. <laughs> and why in the world are you doing that? It was just somebody thinking, hey, I can game the system here. But the inadvertent spamminess of deployment of structured data incorrectly or conflicting because maybe maybe somebody's jamming three tools together that don't play nice, right? Yeah. That could really hurt, especially if Google's now saying, we're seeing the game here. You could actually suffer a manual penalty. So I yeah. think that goes right in line with what you're talking about as well. Yeah, and I think Google is more dependent on structured data right now than they want to be. It's so easy to trigger a SERP feature such as a review snippet or whatever using the right structured data. And I think that's why the, these guardrails with the penalties are in place. I think over time we'll see less and less of that. I think we'll see less penalization. But also it's going to be harder for SEOs such as ourselves to trigger SERP features with structured data alone. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the content of your site and they'll just get better at reading the HTML. But we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. So 2023 structured data is still the name of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that because we, we really want to <laughs> swim in those waters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, back, to, back to linking here to, to sum that up. Our job is kind of threefold as I see it. We are linking to help the user find this information. Yep. We're, link, we're linking to organize structure for Google's understanding as well. Mm -hmm. And we're also linking to match this entity knowledge graph to be able to describe these things in a way that can actually allow us to capitalize on additional factors like images and what have you, but we're trying to match what Google knows, right? Right. Uh, so let's come up with a practical example. Uh, you write it. You write a article about George Bush. Uh, so are you talking about George Bush Senior or George Bush Junior? Mm -hmm. uh, George W. Bush, and Google probably isn't sure if you just have a page about George Bush and you don't really distinguish. But if you link if you had start adding links to those, you know, this is the 41st president. I probably have that number wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 40, an article about the 41st president or Laura Bush uh, would be a great page to add a link from. You can start to build that entity relationship that tells Google, oh, this is actually about the junior George Bush and not the senior George Bush because we're linking from pages that are specific about his. That's sort of the entity relationships that we're talking yeah, about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and disambiguating is uh, the, yes. the coin of the realm here is that if it doesn't understand completely, your job is to be able to give clarity. And that's what the inbound, uh, the internal linking also provides us. Maximize your client's budgets using Wix. Use every dollar towards growth and revenue driving assets by relying on Wix's enterprise grade security and reliability. 
work more efficiently using Wix's SEO automation and scalable SEO solutions to deliver sustainable results without vulnerabilities, downtime, and workflow inefficiencies for any website of any size. Fix less, grow more with Wix. Go over to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash Wix today to learn more. Last chapter of this this, uh, interview, I wanted to get your take on, uh, obviously you're in software development. And, yes. and there's a number of tools that that uh, you've worked on in the past for content analysis and the like. Um, we're in a place of automation from content writing. And, uh, well, before anything else, I, I hearken back to a lot of spamminess that we saw right before Panda, right before Penguin. I hope that we're not going to be in that space of just burgeoning content because AI can generate it very, very quickly. But... Um, what are your thoughts about this adoption of AI for a content creation process? It's here yeah. to stay, right? Yeah, it is here to stay. And it's an arms race uh, with Google uh, because they don't want to reward cookie cutter content mm. that a lot of these AI tools can help you uh, spit out. And I think the AI as a writing assistant is awesome. But here is the lesson I think we're going to take away from this. When... AI makes content commoditized. And we've been through many periods in the past where content becomes a little more commoditized. Mm-hmm. You know, the development of even WordPress, allowing people to blog more easily. This is another step in that process. So in an environment where it is so easy to produce content that is optimized and, you know, has the correct terms in it, how do you stand out? Because everybody's going to be producing the same content because it's a race to the bottom. How do people stand out? And that is by going above and beyond to answer users' queries, to satisfy their intent. Uh, there's you know different techniques you can do this with you know unique images, mm-hmm. uh, unique data, unique tools. So the name of the game going forward, everybody's racing to do AI content so they can rank. But the winners are going to be the people who go above and beyond and producing that excellent content the same way it's been for the last 10 or 15 years. Wow. Uh, so I don't think that's changing. Everybody's just going to have to up their game a little bit. So that's challenging to small, medium-sized businesses that realize that what it took to write a page of content and win, they're probably going to have to be investing three and fourfold the amount of budget that they were in the past. Possibly. Well, I, I, I hope, I hope that the small business, yes, it's going to make it more challenging, but I hope we can encourage those small business owners to inject their own experiences, their Mm -hmm. own, you know, we haven't talked about Google's helpful content update much, Mm -hmm. but they're moving in a direction where they want content to be created by real experts, real user experience. And maybe that just means taking a quick video, uploading your own photos that you shot real quick, using your own experience. I tried these three different things. When I fix a sink, this is my process for doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been doing this for many years. Putting your own experience. Google is looking for genuality, authenticity. Genuality mm-hmm. isn't a word. Authenticity is though. We're going to make uh, it a word, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Google's looking for authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's not AI content. That presents an opportunity. When everybody else is producing AI content, just use your own experiences uh, and optimize from there. And that gives you an opportunity to stand out. Uh, absolutely. That's and, and that's even more inspiring because when it gets down to it, there's always been this kind of uh, icky feeling. I'm going to use that. Uh, that marketing has always been just BS, right? Yeah. Is that there's always been that spin concept of just psychologically just trying to manipulate somebody into doing something where 
if Google's actually leaning towards authentic content, it actually gives those small, medium-sized businesses opportunity to truly succeed if they're willing to contribute and communicate to help those users. Just getting those subject matter uh, and experts on the mic, record their content, be able to process it, curate it in a lot of different ways. That is content that hasn't been seen on the face of the planet from that particular individual, it could be a, a bellwether for these small companies, right? Yeah, exactly. There's always going to be a race to the bottom to do as much automation as you can to take the easiest route. Don't take the easy route. No. That, that's always been the lesson. Uh, Serpstat actually had a really cool article about AI and some really good uh, descriptions of all the different types of AI algorithms that were out there. And also they were uh, canvassing a great number of contributors and polling them for some of their thoughts on how to use AI. Boiling that down, I caught a couple key elements. Using AI to create first drafts of articles because AI, the tools are going out online and finding information and then collating it and then then obviously it's not plagiarism but it's learning right but it's learning yeah. it's learning what's out there right now so mm -hmm. getting a first draft done could be valuable but it's also kind of like i said an echo chamber of it's just yep. a, re a reflection on what's what's out there right now but it does give you an idea a way to collect ideas um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I think I've been pretty impressed with some of the AI tools I've used. Uh, I think the danger is a lot of companies are going to stop there. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to use the AI to create the article. Yep. Uh, but you have to bring your own game to that. And I've worked with a lot of agencies. And unfortunately, this is not a good representation of the SEO industry. What so many content processes are, are not much better than the AI. They're using content, they're using content briefing software mm -hmm. that tells them, you know, this paragraph, this paragraph, this paragraph, and it's just, it's just paint by numbers. And unfortunately, uh, a good percentage of the SEO industry, the content marketing industry works on this model mm -hmm. and AI is just going to speed that process up. Right. But uh, hmm. I've never been a fan of that. And a lot of my friends who work in agencies don't really like it when I say that, that their <laughs> processes are just cookie cutter. Uh, but bringing, but you don't need a lot. You no. can take that outline and just add your 10 to 15% uniqueness to that article and you're already going to stand out. Uh, <laughs> it just, it's just a matter of going above and beyond. <laughs> I can't. You can you you can just kind of step over here and out of the sludge, and you're going to be shining in the yeah in the, exactly in front of Google exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that's the thing. AI has its place in research. Okay, mm -hmm. and it's not forefront for writing. It should never be there. And you're going to see a lot of people just uh, slamming their websites into a cliff because Google's ready for this one. Google's yep. already said, and it can sniff out a machine like nobody's business, right? So you try to gamify this and you're probably already seeing some less than uh, successful content that's out there because Google's preening through the stuff and it's, it's going to be demeriting it. Some useful automation tools that are out there are Market Muse, Rank Sense, yep. WordLift is a good tool, SEMrush, Moz, Ahrefs, Serpstat. Those are players also, uh, big players behind the AI, uh, behind the scenes type of functionality. There's also OnCroll, Botify, BuzzSumo. 
Inlinks, uh, we talked about Inlinks, and uh, yep. it's got a, a good content analysis package. It is not right for you, but it does give some competitive analysis of what's being written about in the top 10 competitive space. We also find that we use Inlinks a lot, and we really should never look at what's ranking right now. You need to kind of unplug those top tens and plug in the most relevant competitive content. That may take some deep diving as well. So all of a sudden you personalize that. And that's what AI is all and machine learnings really should be about is you got to have hands-on from the human control factor and guidance. You just can't let AI guide yourself into a trying to find the corner of a barrel, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the tools exist to help you do your job but they're not there to do your job and Amen. If, if if that's what you're using the tools for uh you need to you need to do a different job and actually step in and <laughs> have a prove self, your worth have a have a moment of self-reflection <laughs> if you're if you're if you're racing to the bottom expect your paycheck to reflect that let me tell you a little bit about our new sponsor se ranking SE Ranking is a cloud-based platform that offers a comprehensive set of tools for SEO and online marketing professionals. Their platform includes a site audit, competitor analysis, website ranking, keyword suggestion and grouping, backlink monitoring, automated and professional reporting, and much, much more. As a new sponsor of Edge of the Web, we want to share who they are and what they're offering. We have a contest. It's the SE Rankings Checklist Challenge. If you complete the challenge, you'll get one month of the Pro 1000 subscription for free. So go to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash SE Ranking. You'll get a free use of the Pro Level software package for two weeks. And here's what you have to do to complete the checklist. Create a project, add at least five keywords, find five competitors via the competitive research tool and add them to your my competitor section run a website audit and show what issue you're going to fix do a backlink check and upload your backlinks to the backlink monitoring tool add any page to the page changes monitor that's in the website audit section and show the graphs of history of changes Send your screenshots of completion of these steps to the email that you'll receive when signing up and you'll receive a full month of Pro 1000 service. And one Edge listener will get a full year business package. We'll announce that on our February 14th podcast. Not kidding around, this is a $2,500 value. So go over to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash SE ranking to sign up now. I wanted to get your your take on that, and you've been pretty pretty uh, yeah. uh, outspoken on Twitter as well. Have you have you actually jumped into Mastodon yet? Did I ask you that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I registered a couple of handles, and that is it. Cool. Uh, I have not posted one thing or followed a single person on on Mastodon. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just sad about the whole thing. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring bring you down here. Hey, uh, can you give us a pro tip to our listener audience? They're always looking for advanced SEO as well as there are newcomers into SEO that jump onto this podcast. Give a little bit of a, a pro tip that you've learned that was pivotal in your practice over the years. Oh, man, you're, you're putting me on the spot. Something I've found recently. Uh, and... 
this is something I learned from another study not too long ago. We did a study of title tags. Very, very common thing. It's it's uh, everybody needs to write titles and the use of uh, your brand in the titles. It's very common practice to put your brand at the end of every title tag. Something we've found recently is that unless people are specifically looking for your brand, mm -hmm. it's often better just to leave it off because if Google wants to, they'll just rewrite the title <laughs> and include it. And you can actually see a, a slight rankings boost by making your title more relevant to the queries that people are searching for. So there's usually no harm if people are not looking for your brand. Mm -hmm. There's usually not a lot of harm in leaving it off some of your, your deeper URLs that may not be about your brand as mm -hmm. much. That's interesting. So that's a small, very tiny SEO tip, not yeah. a big one. But but from a click-through rate opportunity, th those are always golden. And I dare say that a number of website owners are going to be kind of uh, painfully dislodging their brand from those yeah. uh, titles. Don't, don't, don't go crazy with it, but just strategically. Uh, I had a client, one of my first clients many years ago, they had a brand name that I swear was 36 letters long. And we did an experiment <laughs> and, and no one was looking for it. Sure. Uh, they had no branded search. So in an experiment, we just removed it from every title and we saw a 20% increase in traffic uh, within a week. And it was awesome. Doesn't work for everybody. Sure. Make sure Google understands what your site name is. Uh, you, you're going to want it on your homepage. You can use structured data to define it, which is awesome. That's a somewhat new development, but you don't necessarily need it on every page, especially if you're not doing a lot of branded search. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Cyrus, thank you so much for the time today. I really do appreciate it. Last couple of questions, real quick. What bugs you about your industry right now? Oh, man. Uh, is that, know, is that, another pod, is that another podcast? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm an idealist. You know, I, I love SEO for spreading ideas, mm -hmm. making the web better. And so much of social media SEO right now, Twitter SEO, is flipping sites, you know, niche site SEO. I made $3 million on this spammy technique, and it's not making the web a better place. And I think as an industry, we need to step up and take responsibility for representing the work that we do and saying, we're trying to make the web better. We're not just trying to extract profit from Google and Fleet users. We're trying, our work makes better experiences for people. And Google wants that too. So if you align those values, you you are going to be rewarding yourself and your clients. Mm -hmm. And the profit motivation of SEO Twitter right now is a little uh, disheartening to me. So, all right. Well, yeah. conversely, Let's make the web better. Absolutely. Well, conversely, what does excite you? Ending on a high note here. Oh, gosh. When I got involved in SEO, we all followed the same 200 people online, on Twitter. They were all white dudes. And there was this group thing. Everybody had, you know, everybody followed the herd mentality. Mm -hmm. Now there are thousands of people. You can choose your own adventure on social media or who you follow and how you do SEO. There's so many opportunities and diversity and the group think and a lot of the negativity has disappeared yeah. and, and the industry has opened up to the entire world. And I think that's a great development. Absolutely. Couldn't have said that better myself. Well, thank you so much, uh, Cyrus. Can we promote anything for you right now? You can go to zippy.com and read my latest studies, but uh, just just make the internet a better place when you do SEO. That would that would make me happy. And it's always a pleasure being here. Absolutely. I hope we don't make it another four years. I guarantee we'll not do that. That was a that was a <laughs> flaw. That was a 
failed uh, I, planning on my end. <laughs> in, in my in my defense, you probably asked me, and I probably wasn't available, so uh, <laughs> it's probably on my bench. A couple times, but still, yeah. we got to get you back around, around here. We'll certainly continue to track you on Twitter as long as Twitter exists at Cyrus Shepherd with one P. Uh, also, go, go over LinkedIn. I don't think there's a problem over there. And also, just look for Cyrus C Y R U S Shepherd and be able to find him there. Uh, Final thoughts for our SC audience? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> it, it, enjoy your work. If, if it doesn't bring you joy, uh, find a way to make it bring you joy. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for your time today, Cyrus. And uh, we're certainly going to follow you in the different studies that you do. Thanks for everything that you do for our SEO community. All right. Thanks for having me. More than welcome. More than welcome. Right. Hey, don't forget to like and subscribe to Edge of the Web on YouTube. If you're feeling up to it today, why don't you give us a quick review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash edge today. Thanks to our sponsors. Make sure that you go visit them and let them know that you heard them on the edge because that's why they're there is to be able to connect with you. Check out all the must-see videos over at Edge of the Web Radio on YouTube and go to everything that we've got going on over at edgeofthewebradio.com. From all of us over at Edge, stay safe, stay well, and do not be a piece of cyber driftwood. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.